right or listening now. They're talking, they're listening to us. Who's this? Ooh, this is Mitzi. This is our little dog, Mitzi. And she's a sweetie pie. A lot of good stuff going on at the P4B. Uh, it's been a very busy week. I have part two of the censorship efforts on the part of UNESCO and a lot of other people, but UNESCO is trying to make the most public show of it. Um, Davos is in there, of course, that knob Al Gore is a part of it. I have uh, semi-bad news. Uh, Chris Tamagli was supposed to be on this week, but he postponed. Wah, wah, wah. But that's okay, because as a result, I was able to get a hold of Ron Corey, and Ron is coming back. I keep saying that's like the Beatles getting back together. It's it's always the biggest show we have. Ron's going to be talking about uh, all kinds of sports, a lot of Philly, uh, a lot of Philly sports. He's a Philly guy. That's where he gets his stats. But he's going to be talking about. Football, baseball, basketball, and hockey. And, of course, I'll pick his brain about the goings-on um, in the political world. I think he's going to have some interesting things to say about a dream team, a Trump dream team, should Trump get elected, and uh, cabinet members. Uh, so it's going to be a great week. It's going to be an awesome week. Uh, hit the subscribe button. Don't miss a thing. Uh, hit the share button. <laughs> I can't tell you how many people see something. I know that what they think. I know they like what I say. And instead of hitting share, they hit like. Uh, but that's okay. Likes are good. I like likes, but I like shares better. And you know, support the podcast in any way you can. There's a number of ways. You'll find it on the in the text below the video line. Uh, a number of ways that you can take care of the P4P and Mitzi. Mitzi needs dog food, right, baby? You need dog food? You need dog food. Yes. Welcome to the Political Party Pooper Playbook. And if you thought all we did was sit around thinking up ways to poop on empty suit politicians, well, you'd be half right. This is indeed the P4B. I'm your host, the harried and handsome Matt Jordan. And you are welcome. Today, you will say what you are told to say, part two. UNESCO is still snuffling your butt like a piglet. I had to go see my auto mechanic today to get a litany of bad news regarding my exhaust system. Yay! But it was a pretty drive, and I picked up some interesting tidbits to research as I drove through the winter wonderland that is the northern peninsula. My buddy, Chris Plant, had cut to commercial, so I switched over to Beck. My timing could not have been better. Glenn was not in the middle of a religious lecture. I hate those. He was interviewing Douglas Murray. It seems the UK government, there's a footnote, has labeled him and Joe Rogan as <laughs> extreme right-wing activists. Say what you want about Rogan, 
but he has pissed people off taking stands from both sides of the political divide in this country. Right-wing activist Jesus. This kind of thing was inevitable. Going as far back as Hillary's vast right-wing conspiracy speech, there's a footnote, we've been told there was a nebulous, super-double-secret right-wing white supremacist violent uprising sweeping across the land. But where are they attacking? Who are their victims? What are their names? But they seem to have a dearth of suspects. The mini-riot people, the ones who didn't actually hurt anyone, are all being held as political prisoners in some version of an American gulag. And the insurrection talk is now seen as complete nonsense by all normal people. So, where are these dangerous people? What is the evidence of the threat? What to do? The UK government stepped up to the plate in celebration of Misinformation Week. I assume that's what they're calling it. Every lefty with a microphone, along with the UNESCO, the Klingon, the MSN, most social media cronies, and that knob Al Gore, are all engaged in political attack against your right to speak this week. They announced a few days ago that Doug and Joe are, well, the vast right-wing conspiracy. And when they talk, they're dispensing mis- or disinformation. Well, guys, if you gather all those lefties in room one and put Douglas Murray alone in room two, there would be a greater accumulation of wisdom, knowledge, and truth in room two. As for Joe Rogan, the only thing that keeps him up at night is me. Only 7.9 million more listeners, and I will blow him off the net. The reason they needn't worry, in my opinion, is the people who are winning an argument don't have to make up lies and twist language. And that is what the particular lefties I speak of always do. They thought they had you because they won the COVID thing. They shut down your country. They saw that as their green light for all their nonsense. But they severely overestimated our patience with bullshit. They know they are losing the argument on all fronts. So over the past two weeks, they have all launched a full court press against opposing opinion everywhere. As I demonstrated in part one and will again here today, their approach is nakedly Orwellian and wildly authoritarian. I'll circle back to Beck and his guest. Definitely stick around for that. Back to our saga. When we last left our heroine, Andre Azule, Director General of UNESCO, Sig Heil, she was explaining how, to keep speech democratic, it must be aggressively and exhaustively governed and regulated. These people get funnier and funnier every time I hear their doublespeak drivel. You see, according to Azule and her ilk, they don't want to stifle speech. That would be abominable. You will be permitted to speak about anything. What the zoo of players listed above want to do is simply dictate who gets to see and hear what you say. 
They already do this in individual countries, but we're onto their shit. That's why it's a full court press now. The translation of Agile's speech from French is electronic, so some phrases are chopped or they don't run smoothly. It's also a transcript, so her meter and pattern don't carry over well. But the message is perfectly clear. Quote, we are seeing a flood of hateful content, particularly of an anti-Semitic nature on the internet and social media. We deplore the fact that women are particularly the targets of these phenomena of hatred and hatred. Disinformation, threatening even their participation in public life, like many European politicians have courageously pointed this out. Women journalists, unfortunately, were among the most at risk. According to a UNESCO report in 2021, to which our moderator, Carol Cadwallad, made a key contribution, 73% of women journalists have already been victims of online harassment and violence. End quote. So much creamy rich bullshit here. First, falsus in unum, falsus in omnibus. If you lie to me once, all your statements are suspect. Hate speech, for example. For years, going back to the Halcyon days, before the Clintons, the left has routinely labeled anything that disagrees with their nonsense as hate. Demanding we fix Social Security and Medicare is hate speech. Calling for responsible fatherhood is hate speech. Close the border, balance the budget, cut profligate spending, criticize the trans fad. All hate speech. To call any of those things hate speech is a lie. Every speaker who employed the tactic knows they are lying. So when we continue through this quote, the non sequitur and loose terms provide enough doubt that when tied to part one of this series, you are fully justified to reject it all out of hand. You'd be committing no offense, civil or ethical, real or imagined. In this case, Azulay refers to hateful content against Jews. Really? The people who are actually acting out with admitted hate and threatening Jews with violence are cut from the very same cloth as Azule and the, quote, elites she is addressing. Well-to-do, college-educated. Someone who says they hate Jews or anyone else, online or in the public square, has the constitutionally guaranteed right to say so. We don't have to like it. To be certain, reasonable people will reject it. But that is precisely why the First Amendment exists, to protect the speech I or we abhor. If we all loved all speech, there would be no need for the amendment. You no more have the right to impede my progress as I walk down the street as you do to stop me speaking or being heard. Having the weight of the entire UN, the US government, the Davos loony, the popular press, and Whoopi Goldberg behind you, doesn't reward you the right to infringe on my rights. That you plan to do so through a private deal between the UN and private companies in the real world offers you no legitimate cover. The unethical support you receive from the regime notwithstanding. 
the term harassment online. Well, sweet cheeks, welcome to reality. I get that every time I light off Facebook or my X account. It comes with the territory. And since 90% of the crap I get is from lefties, dealing with it is like shooting fish in a barrel. But nothing anyone says to you or about you rises to the level of a multi-level organization needing to backdoor our free speech rights. If someone is mean to you online, block them. Problem solved. If they speak untruthfully about you, and it threatens your livelihood or social standing, you file suit. It's a cottage industry now. And some of the settlements are sweet. But if you live your life worrying about what is said about you in tweets, you lack the maturity and good sense to be anywhere near a governing body. As for Azalea's use of the word violence, along this same line, the Director General, Sig Heil, implied that violence is disinformation or disinformation is violence. This is where a performance needs to be parsed out. The two terms are not related and can't reasonably be used interchangeably in a statement. If I say I wish someone would smack you with a hammer, that is a wish of violence. You can fairly construe hate from the statement. You have no right to stop me saying it, but my hate would be apparent. If I said I will smack you with a hammer, that is a threat of violence. Whether stated online or anywhere before witnesses, that is a plain threat of violence. That is illegal and reportable. And if it is said online, it is witnessed. With so many Soros DAs around, it's a crapshoot to think anyone will actually help you. But that's not the concern of the UN. It's the concern of the U.S. justice system or the justice system of any country polled. If I actually smack you in the head with a hammer, that's violence. How does policing speech fix that? If I say some random mouth breather on TV is a bastard and somewhere out there in Looneyville smacks the mouth breather with a hammer, that isn't my problem. His actions are his alone, not mine. To attach fault because I said the guy was a bastard is disingenuous and pointless. Otherwise, every single person who called JFK an agent of the Vatican or a tool of the left was directly responsible for his assassination, which of course none of them were. I've always said that I could write full-time and I'd be willing to do it for free. Well, I'm full-time and I'm doing it for free. <laughs> it doesn't feel as purely good as I thought it might. It is a labor of love, I promise. But I wouldn't mind picking up a few shekels and yen, you know, a little beer money. So, keep me motivated. 
There are two ways you can support the P4B directly. One is by visiting Poe River, where you can find P4B gear and all kinds of other cool stuff. The other way is by smashing the button provided just above the final segment. To be sure, not everyone can afford to support a podcast. If you would be kind enough to hit the share button whenever you visit, that too would go a long way in supporting my work. But really, you know, beer money. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. And we're back to the emotions of numbers. 73% of women journalists victims of harassment online. So, we have to reiterate to get to the point. The left calls disagreement hate. I've been accused of harassing someone because I disagree with them. That is usually from people who start and end every point with an insult or something irretrievably stupid. Of the 73%, how many are calling someone who disagrees with them harassment? We don't know. It's not defined. Or violence against the women? What percentage is that specifically? That's an important question for three reasons. One, there is no such thing as violence online. There's virtual violence in those sick-ass video games. But I cannot commit an act of violence online. Words are not violence, as much as the snowflakes want them to be. If I smack a lady reporter with a hammer, I didn't do it online. So that has no part of this discussion. Two, journalists or public figures. If there are threats to be made online, again, that's harassment, not violence. They can be dealt with. But it absolutely comes with the territory. And I'm willing to bet Helen Thomas got more death threats by snail mail than any of the women polled by these people. She was just a shitload tougher than they are. And finally, three, as demonstrated through this series, we can't take these people at their word. Azule is an educated political creature. She didn't create this rhetoric with a misunderstanding of terms that I have correctly defined here. She crafted these now cliche words and phrases to try to justify her bid to control communications around the world and in the United States. And she's not doing it in a vacuum. She's in coordination with all the suspects I've repeatedly listed in this series. The last two weeks proved this beyond the shadow of a doubt. They are all marching lockstep. They're all part of the same blob of self-styled, quote, elites. Okay. Back to Beck et al. This is what I learned today on my way home from talking to the son of a bitch that fixes my vehicles. This all plays directly back to the rest of this series and then some. The guest was Douglas Murray. Discussion centered around the national panic about mis- or disinformation. I didn't get a sense that Beck has put it all together to demonstrate how incestuously locked all these key players are. But at least three of the five-legged stool was on display today. 
the WEF, the U.S. government, and mainstream media. In the first few minutes, they demonstrated the twisting of words and logic intentionally leads to a message that sounds pithy, but is devoid of truth and an insult to Americans. I pointed this out today and in part one of this series. The sad part for me is that so many Americans will hear those words or read them and say, well, yeah, I suppose, and then go back to channel surfing or watching puppy videos. But if you're still in the game, Beck discussed an article by Anna Stanley. There's a link in the text below the audio line. She was an attendee at King's College taking a course on national security and anti-terrorism. Stanley makes some very insightful comments that demonstrate real maturity for someone of her age, but also proof that she isn't cowed by any of the BS featured here. Grown men in this country could take a lesson. Let me give you the setup from Anna. Quote, I recently attended a King's College course called Issues Encountering Terrorism, organized by the Center for Defense Studies. It was designed for civil servants and professionals in counterterrorism. Staff from Foreign Office, the Ministry of Justice, Ministry of Defense, and Home Office attended. Facilitating this relatively new three-day course were senior lecturers from Security Studies Department. Continuing the quote, the civil servants were given presentations by King's College lecturers while visiting senior research fellows and professors also spoke. These included those formerly holding positions such as Permanent Secretary of Home Office and Director of GCHQ, Defense, Minister and Foreign Office Director. End quote. The curriculum insists that the threat to the UK and the West is not Islamic fundamentalist nutbags with weapons, but, get this, right-wing extremism. One of the knobs teaching this course, Peter Newman, then spoke of Murray and Rogan as being a threat to security. To be certain, at no time did the instructors demonstrate how conservatives who comment online, hello, are a threat to other than, say, <gasps> Listeners who may believe what they say. The question for the House was, how can we suppress these people? They have millions of followers. We can't arrest them or just deplatform them. That might cause issues. Do you think? So society must find a way to suppress their message. This is what they were saying. Sound familiar? If you've gotten this far through the series, my argument is now set in stone and correct. Oh, and Mr. Newman, they do have millions of followers. You don't. Talking your drivel, you never could. That's the beauty of the free market, freedom of choice, and people's abilities to spot quality over bullshit. Douglas Murray, while discussing these knuckleheads, made a very salient point. To paraphrase, the goal of people like these and the ones we've been discussing for two days now, is to shame the opposition. If you share positions with people the regime labels as extremists, by virtue of them just holding that view, the regime, Davos, UN, UNESCO, and their media fluffers 
are hoping that by threatening you with the term extremist, you might abandon your position, or at least be quiet and let them bulldoze you. Douglas gives a clear example. Well over 70% of the United States and a vast majority of people in Western civilization are very concerned about illegal migration. Douglas thinks illegal migration is a bad thing. Ergo, you are now an extremist. You bastard! EVs are every day proving to be tinker toys. That should not be on the road. At least not yet. But say that publicly, and you're the equivalent of a terrorist. You're a right-wing extremist. Remember, as I said in part one, those who have truth and reason on their side don't need to lie and cajole as we see here. Shame people who disagree with them. Only people who don't believe their own message and know they are trying to get one over on us need such tactics. And then the show got better. If I could have given Murray a standing O in my truck, I would have. It seems one Kevin McAleenan, a Trump appointee, who evidently stuck around at DHS under Biden, he recently gave several hundred thousand dollars to the University of Rhode Island's Media Lab. The lab already gets your federal dollars. Your dollars. Shh. This was extra and a secret. The source of the funding, quoting Tiona Lo Dwesher of the National Examiner, quote, The Targeted Violence and Terrorism Prevention Grant Program, which was created under President Barack Obama to target al-Qaeda, was put on hold and then clandestinely revived by then-acting DHS ed Kevin McAleenan and Miles Taylor. End quote. The money was awarded to the lab in response to the application featured in this excerpt below. Quote, Propaganda can be used for socially beneficial purposes. The application read, as it outlined its own counter-propaganda model. Quote, Indeed, because the public has long been recognized as being suggestible, the United States has long made use of beneficial propaganda during World War I, World War II, and the Cold War. The university's media education lab would then work with a partner activist organization to write blog posts equating, quote, MAGA supporters to anti-Semite Louis Farrakhan and blaming former President Donald Trump for creating a dark, quote, darker, scarier, angrier, less hopeful country, end quote. Offer cash incentives to children to post social media demands for increased media literacy and expand anti-conservative seminars established by the State Department. These seminars, known as Courageous Rhode Island, or Courageous R.I., are based on a manifesto that claims political extremism, rage, and anti-government theories can lead to targeted violence and domestic terrorism. End of master quote. Yeah, we've used propaganda in the past. When World War II wasn't going very well, Uncle Stinky lied to the people to keep their spirits up. We used propaganda against all manner of world leaders we found inconvenient. The propaganda machine tearing at Trump 
we can safely say that uh, University of Rhode Island is part of that, runs 24-7. So, not only is DHS running illegal snooping of American citizens, they are also targeting a domestic audience with political propaganda because some sunken-chested man-bun quasi-adolescent in Rhode Island says it's a good thing. Misinformation much? A quick review of this series, Solutions. Things we need to shit can in the United States. Green scams, EVs, CBDC, the UN, ESG, DEI, illegals, Davos, the WEF, and that knob, Al Gore. It's long past the time, folks, that we got off our rusty dusties and started hounding our elected reps. Troll them. Consider it a family activity, a lesson in civics for your kids. Primary the lot when the opportunity presents itself, if that's what it takes. It wouldn't hurt to call for a repeal of the 17th Amendment. Just don't let your kids see you kneeling down to these people. By all means, peruse our book list and make liberal use of all the buttons in the text below the audio line. Be sure to use all the buttons at the top and bottom of the text. We live and die by the share and subscribe buttons. Send inquiries to poriverproductions at gmail.com. Thank you very much for joining us today.